Welcome to the Visionaries podcast of Modern Metier with me, Neri Silaman. My goal is to help you create successful fashion businesses that thrive over time based on my knowledge as an academic and a fashion entrepreneur of over 20 years. Every week we provide you with the most inspiring interviews from our top experts in our industry or a solo episode where I answer your questions. I'm your host, Neri Silaman, author, keynote speaker, and a fashion business consultant. So let's get started. Welcome to this week's podcast, where our topic today is practical tips for building a successful fashion business. I think it's very important to combine theory and practice when you are a fashion entrepreneur. Not everyone who has built a successful fashion business necessarily will have an education. And in fact, of course, some of the most successful entrepreneurs we know didn't go to college. But that doesn't mean they didn't use a decision, they didn't base their decision based on evidence or instinct. So when I was researching my book on iconic fashion designers, I noticed one common denominator, and that's the fact that they have the ability, almost an instinct, to understand the industry was shifting or how it was shifting and which changes they needed to make. And they were able to almost read the external environment and adapt their business and make appropriate decisions. Chanel, for example, famously said, the first world war made me because during the war, just before the war, actually, we have designers who have who are the creators of the haute couture industry, as we know today. These are Charles Worth, Paul Poiret, and they were the celebrated designers of the time. Their outfits were very elaborate, ostentatious almost, and then the first war breaks out. And even though in the beginning life seemed to continue as it was, and even advertisements at the time will say, get dressed in order to boost the morale of your men. So when they will come home from the battlefield, you will be home waiting for them in a very feminine manner. So this was the mood of the time. But very shortly, as unfortunately the war progressed and France was uh, losing many men in the battle, the mood started to change. And... Chanel was the designer who became famous at that time because she's the very the very first one to offer clothes and dresses that were black, incredibly simple, and nothing like that has ever been seen. And women who were buying from the haute couture industry, they actually started to go to Chanel. And that's hence the famous quote, the first war made me. So all of that is to say that while successful business owners or designers didn't articulate perhaps what they were doing, they were indeed making decisions by looking at data and calculating what was happening around them. Instinct and data, theory and practice go hand in hand when it comes to creating a successful brand. So it's my hope that I'm able to give you advice based on theory and practice. So I have some questions that I've received today from you, and I'm going to answer them. My first question comes from Alina. She lives in Santa Monica, California. And her question is, 
I started out my business. It's dresses made of recycled material and I've initially sold to family and friends. Their demand and reaction has been wonderful, but now I'm thinking of the next steps. How do I scale my business? Do I get an investor? How do I get an investor? How do I raise money in order to take my business to the next level? Thank you, Alina, for your question. It's a great question. This is actually something quite common, of course, in not just in the fashion industry, but in many businesses. They start, many entrepreneurs will start a business or even before they think, I have to raise money and I have to go to investors. I am going to give you advice perhaps that is a little bit controversial in the sense that I don't think in the early stages of the business, I am not a believer that a designer or an entrepreneur should immediately raise money. I think you can definitely raise money from family and friends and do it with your own capital initially. And I will tell you why, because, well, first of all, when I started my own business, we didn't raise any money. It was all our own capital. And for those of you who know my story, I have been a refugee. I was a refugee when we immigrated from Bulgaria to Turkey. We only had two suitcases. And when we started our business, we actually, I don't come from a wealthy family. We didn't have a lot of capital. But we did have a good idea for the time and we saw a need in the market and fulfilled that need in a way that other companies at the time were not able to do. Our idea was, this was 20 years ago, to go to Italian suppliers who today are owned by Chanel and Hermes and Louis Vuitton. We went to these suppliers and asked them to give us the scraps of leather that they were throwing away. And with very little capital, we were able to create a beautiful collection made from Italian leather, very high quality Italian leather. So from a practical point of view, I can tell you that when you don't have a big access to capital, you can be more practical, you can get more creative. And if I had gone to very big investors and I had, let's say, a million dollars to start my business, I'm not sure if I would have had the idea to go to Italian suppliers and ask them for scraps of leather. And today, this is called sustainability, and it became the buzzword. We see many companies that do this today, but we were able to do that 20 years ago and offer very high-quality product for very affordable prices and we also kept our profit margins very low since we were just starting out. From a also theoretical perspective, when I lived in London, I worked with UK-based fashion designers, Royal College of Art and British Fashion Councils in much more specific way if I have to give, give you brand names. During this period, I have almost become like the matchmaker between the investor and the designers that were at the British Fashion Council. So I will work between the investor and the designer. My own view is you can get an investor in the beginning, and there are designers who have done that, but I can tell you that the designers who didn't do it have been much more creative, and they have a tendency to learn 
how business works, they tend to make their own mistakes and in a way that makes them more resilient for the future. Now, I wouldn't immediately go and raise cash. If you are later down the line as your business grows and you want to raise cash and go to investors, you can do that, of course, but it is very much like a marriage, (laughs) I would say. So you have to pick the right person. And that's why when I was acting as a matchmaker between investor and designer, my job was to make it very clear to the investor how in how many years they are likely to see profit, what to expect, to be very realistic for both sides, what they can expect from each other. So your values have to align. You have to be looking in the same direction. You have to want the same things. And another thing I would say, if you are looking for an investor, some of the mistakes I've seen being made in the past is the designers will raise money from wealthy women, some of them, or women who were housewives and in a way their husbands had money and they wanted to associate their name with a designer. So this was a mistake. And I've seen that again and again. Because, you know, you need someone who doesn't only just give you money, you need someone who can also offer you some business advice, ideally have some connections in the industry, introduce you to buyers. I'm not going to give the name, but a very well-known fashion designer, UK-based, raised money initially, and it was a very, very good investment. But the person that he raised money from was a housewife, a very rich housewife. And this was not good for his business. And eventually he had to close the business, unfortunately. So I will be very careful who I raise money from and when I raise money from. And be very clear about expectations, about your values and what to expect. So I hope I have helped you. You can always reach out to us again. I will be very happy to answer your questions regarding investors. My uh, second question is actually from a former student of mine who follows us on social media and she sent me the question to our Instagram inbox. This is Maria. She lives in Dubai currently. She says, how do I get the attention of editors? How do I win the hearts of the editors and get their attention? That's a great question. I think... Everyone wants, uh, everyone who is in our industry wants to get the attention of investor, of, of investors. So my top tip will be focus on your work and make it worthy because most editors, buyers or stylists would have already seen many, many fashion designers. They have seen many shows and you have to make sure you stand out. That means you have to create something that is Not just extraordinary, but it has to come from a very authentic place. Uh, It has to come from a place of clarity, deep purpose, something that is going to touch their hearts and that the editor or stylist, when they look at it, they will recognize it. You really have to have that uniqueness. And I talk about it in my book as well, from all the designers that I have researched and analyzed, the designers that have created our industry, one thing that they have is this unique style, this ability to translate their authenticity to a very unique style. And I will 
really focus on that the editors are certainly going to recognize if you offer them something that they've never seen before. The second one, I will actually use a very, when let's say you want to reach to a particular editor or a stylist or get the attention of, of the press. So I will definitely reach out in a very targeted approach to editors. I will make a list of people that I want to get their attention. I want my collection to be in front of them. So instead of sending a mass email, and even just, I wouldn't even hire a PR initially, I will make a list and just say, send basically a very personalized email to them. I will keep it to the point short without trying to sell something, keep it casual actually, and just tell them this is what I'm doing. I wouldn't send any uh, extravagant gifts or samples, but it can be something very personal, a handwritten letter with a lookbook that can be a very nice touch. And if you send them free gifts, uh, most of them, they will actually throw them away and In the end, I think what matters is that you have to be unique and you have to have an authentic voice. So in my next show, I'm going to talk about how do you find that authentic voice as a designer. Make sure to tune in next week where we are going to delve in deeper into how you can find your authenticity, how you can create your unique brand language. If you want to support us, please remember to rate and review the podcast. It takes a second and we will appreciate it very much. Enjoy your day and tune in next week.